unexpected kindness is the most powerful, least costly, and yet most underutilized agent to change. Do you ever wonder? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to live an extraordinary life? Or is that only for people with exceptional beauty, brains, or talent? I know you are extraordinary. But when I look at me in the mirror, well... Ordinary. 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 Ordinary is all I see. Certainly, life has to be more extraordinary than what I've experienced so far. We all feel like this sometimes, but we don't have to. If you believe that your life and everyone's life can be more connected, more inspired, more fulfilling, then you're in the right place. Welcome to this Extraordinary Life podcast. I'm Kevin Monroe, and together we're going to discover life is extraordinary. Do little things really make that big of a difference? For me, being extraordinary is more of a choice. There is something truly remarkable about that. Are you looking for a place where people are more interested in who you are? Who you are? Who you are? Put in the extra in the ordinary. That's what extraordinary is all about. I want to live an extraordinary life. How about you? What a joy to welcome you to episode seven of this Extraordinary Life podcast. It seems like we just started last week, and here we are at episode seven. I want to thank you for listening today. Whether you've listened to all of the episodes or whether this is your first, thanks for listening now. I believe you are in for a treat today, and I know I say that often. Why? Because it's true. As I was thinking about this, I'm blessed to know hundreds. I started to say dozens, but it's literally hundreds of amazing people. And to engage in conversation and community with many of these people, and then to have them join us here on this podcast so you get to know these extraordinary people as well. Well, today, it's all about the ripple. If you've been around me for long, you know that I love talking about waves and ripples. And today, we're joined by two extraordinary ripple makers. They're both making ripples that are reaching around the world. And both are also bubbling with joy. It's so much of what they do. I met Emma Lloyd through her Create the Ripple Twitter account some years ago now. And we've become friends and we've collaborated in creating ripples of gratitude and goodness. And we had the opportunity of being together in person last year at an event in London. Then earlier this year, my friend Steve Foran, you may remember him from episode one. He introduced me to Joanna Servana and we were connecting on Zoom the very next day. And oh my gosh, when we connected, I knew that I wanted to bring these two people together. Joanna works under the banner, Be The Ripple. So Be The Ripple, Create The Ripple. We're coming together to make ripples today. Beautiful souls, bright lights for an amazing conversation focusing on kindness. Oh my gosh, you are in for a treat today. Let me just say this differently. I'm in for a treat today because I am here with two of my favorite kindness champions in the world, Emma Lloyd and Joe Servarna. Welcome. It's a delight to have you join us here for this Extraordinary Life podcast. Say hello. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you, Kevin, for inviting us. Yes. Thanks very much, Kevin, for inviting us. And hi, Emma. Lovely to see you. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to talk about a lot of things. The big theme is kindness. But before we do that, I want to ask, and this is no surprise to you, Emma, because this is really how we got connected. But what is something you're freshly grateful for now in this moment that the three of us are connecting here today? What's fresh gratitude for you, Joe? So for me today, this is the first time that I've had the opportunity to meet Emma and to have a conversation. 
And it's really lovely to know that the three of us are on the same path. And I'm really grateful that we've been connected. Awesome. And then I have to just interject there. It was my gratitude friend, Steve Foran, that introduced the two of us, Joe. So... Absolutely, it was. And you know, it was somebody, it's really funny the way that the ripples have traveled with us connecting, because somebody called Joe Humpstead in the UK connected me to Steve Foran in Canada. He then connected me to you, Kevin, in the US, to, and you connected me to Emma in the UK again. So we've gone full circle with that ripple. So it's lovely. And Emma, what are you freshly grateful for? I am freshly grateful for, interestingly, a common theme and for different reasons as well. So I really am grateful for technology. So I, I often reflect on the last few months that had that this happened and the circumstance we find ourselves in, even just 10 years ago, I think it'd been a very different experience. And for myself, having been through with friends, but also family, some really challenging times, it has really allowed that connection and connectivity and even like today, it's just wonderful that we can connect with people. We can talk about things that are important to us. And it just means those ripples are so much more far reaching. So I truly never take for granted technology, even when it doesn't work. I'm just going to well, and <laughs> But even when it doesn't work is me, your host, got booted out and had to restart my computer, which I've never had happen trying to launch a podcast conversation. But that just makes me even more excited for what's going to happen here. So we had to persevere. And, and I told Emma and Joe, don't go anywhere. I will be back. And so here we are now. Well, what's something about you that might be helpful for us to know about you and your kindness journey? And, and well, I'll start with you, Emma. Yeah, I suppose actually just picking up on what I said there as well. So I, I'm always very as open as I can be with regards to things that are going on. And it's been a challenging few months in that Sadly, I lost my father to COVID-19 and he is massively influential into my whole kindness journey. I am so grateful for everything that my mum and my dad have done for me, that it now means that sort of wanting to make a difference to others it is absolutely innate. I was adopted. They absolutely made a difference to me. And so my way of paying it back is by trying to role model as much as I can the true sentiment of what kindness is. And that's how Create the Ripple was born. And, and to be honest, I think that's how my passion of what I do day in, day out has been born as well. Joe, I see you just waiting to, you're, you're about to uncork on us. So jump in here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just taking a moment there. Um, I'm really, really sorry to hear about your loss firstly, Emma. And I absolutely come from, well, a very similar place, actually. Life can be difficult sometimes. We've all got our own challenges. I lost um, my aunt just in November last year. And that get put, took me into a period of real reflection. And that's where Be The Ripple has come from, is from a place of reflection, of considering my life, of the past, of what I want to do and give to other people. And that's exactly how my journey has come about as well. So I think we definitely have been brought together for a reason, Emma. I think we're both on the same path. And I think making a difference to other people is the higher purpose. It really is. It's something that drives me every day and that I'm hopeful that the Be The Ripple movement will be able to actually inject more kindness into workplaces, into educational establishments, into society in general. So it's, you know, I think we've got a big challenge ahead of us, but together, I really think that we can do it. Yeah. And Emma, again, you and I've talked about this through the months now that have passed or a couple of months since your father passed. I'm so sorry. I know that, but I know that your light and your life and your love honor your mom and your dad. How's mom? Uh, yeah, doing all right. Thank you as well. So and interestingly, she said she's never listened to a podcast before. And when I was talking about today, she went, oh, can I listen to it then? So there we go. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> oh, I love it that your mom is. Good. So here's what would really be fun. What if you sit and listen to it with her? I will do. I will. Oh, I, can't, I can't wait to hear about that. That will be fun. Okay. So as 
elementary as this next question is, I really got stumped when I was preparing for this. I looked up the definition of kindness and the dictionary was not helpful at all. It's one of those words that I just wonder, why do they make this entry in the dictionary? So the first definition of kindness is the quality or state of being kind, which (laughs) puts you in a circular definition. Before I go any further, I want to ask you, how do you define kindness or how do you describe kindness? I think we've all experienced kindness. We know it when we see it, but when you describe it or define it to someone, what do you use? And Joe, it looks like you're, uh, yeah, let's hear from you first. (laughs) Thank you. I think you're right. It is a real difficult one to define because there are so many different areas and different meanings as to kindness towards different people, circumstances. I think if you look at it as a whole, then I would say it's caring about people, showing compassion, empathy, and thinking about people holistically as opposed to just If we look at organizations, for example, you might think of somebody in their job role and just look at that person as that job role. But it's so much bigger than that. Being kind is looking at the whole person and being your authentic self and giving your whole self to that situation. And I'll add on that that because I think you're right in that for me, I have two sort of two lenses with kindness. The first is warmth and empathy and that care and all of what may be perceived And let's be sort of really key on that word, perceived as quite soft elements. I also think that part of what I look to do is to want to create a definition of kindness to be around strength and achievement and success and all of those things that are so important to us on a daily basis, whether it's personal or professional, and that moving away from kindness isn't a soft skill. Kindness is a skill, an essential, a core skill but also is such a sign of strength as well. And I think, as you said, when I saw the definitions for kindness, I was like, well, there's nothing. And yet there's so much depth to kindness. And I think we have an awful lot of connotations to overcome that even when I was growing up, or even in the recent years, we were talking about it earlier, uh, Joe, weren't we? Oh, Emma, you're too kind, or you're too generous. And I said, actually, is there such a thing of too kind or too generous? And then we did go on to saying, well, maybe we're not kind enough to ourselves sometimes. But I think part of that is around society looking as sometimes seeing kindness as a weakness. So for me, my definition is kindness is a strength and a superpower. Love it. I love that too. How do we help people see kindness as a strength and a superpower? Okay, and let me tell you, here's what was interesting in the definition in the dictionary, the the first ones, I was like, really? They talked about kind as a group united by common traits or goods or commodities as distinguished from money, like in-kind payment. I'm like, those are where they went to first in the dictionary? So then the next set wasn't any better when it started talking about kindness as we've, in the lens of we're talking about, it talked about of sympathetic nature. And I'm like, really? The first definition of kindness when we start thinking about it, that when you think of it as sympathy, I don't believe people would look at it as a strength. Absolutely. And I think there's a three-tongue approach to really sort of helping with kindness. One is the role modeling. And I think that's where the ripple effect, and I, I'm going to speak for Joanna just in the short space, that that's what rippling is all about. I'm pretty certain in that yeah, if we role model it, then actually what we're doing is we're inspiring others to then be able to emulate it. We're empowering others as well. The second one is I think we need to remember kindness is also a skill. Now, of course, there's a big nature nurture, but there is an element of instinctive behavior. There's also an element where sometimes people have been toughened up by the sometimes cruel world we live in. So it's a skill. So how are we supporting people uh, personally, but also in the workplace? which I'm sure Joe will be able to share as sort of more about with how can we help support leaders and individuals to be kinder, to be able to feel comfortable to celebrate um, kindness. And that my third point is we need to celebrate more kindness as well to show the links, to show the application of that kindness and what it's lent to as well. And I think by taking that approach, we're actually taking a very pragmatic approach to 
also recognize it's not just as easy as saying to someone, be kind. Some people truly need to understand, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that sound like? Because it's that skill development as well. But Joe probably can share a lot more around that in the workplace as well. Well, I think you put it beautifully there, actually. I'm not sure I can add too much more. But I would definitely agree with you that it is something that can be developed. And I think you touched upon leaders within organizations and the importance of the leadership development and of them actually role modeling and living and breathing those kind behaviors within the organization. And particularly if you've got younger leaders who are, or sorry, less seasoned leaders, shall we say, who are looking up to the individuals and they're seeing the way that the behaviours are coming across and they're then emulating that within their own practice. So I think you've got a really good point there about leadership development and role modelling, living, breathing, and actually making sure that people are developed on the softer, softer skills that we can see is a strength. So, okay, yeah. so here's a question that's just popping in my mind. And I wonder, why do we think of kindness as soft? Because I think when we've received kindness, we've seen it as powerful. So what's a time when you've been on the receiving end of a kind act that had a profound impact in your life? I can think of so many instances in the fact that sometimes the kindest thing is when someone has shown some thought or some care or some consideration. We're in information overload. And when someone's taken just a moment out of their busy time to send a message or a voice note or something, the impact, I truly think it develops our self-esteem, our self-worth, our self-belief, because you've got somebody there giving you that affirmation, giving you their time as well. And it's unexpected. And I think I'm going to save it for later, but I have an unexpected kindness quote, (laughs) which is, I probably should share it now. And I will. It's that. Anyway, so it's Bob Kerry, and he said, unexpected kindness is the most powerful, least costly, and yet most underutilized agent to change. And we've been running a number of change programs where we've been supporting leaders to say, hang on a minute, you've got all these processes, you've got paperwork, you've got procedures. Let's think about human connection to people and having that unexpected kindness. You have no idea the impact that that can have in that moment. And I think personally, on being on the receiving end, that's really helped me to try to encourage those spot moments of kindness that are heartfelt, and that therefore I think sometimes that authenticity makes them heartfelt as well. I absolutely love that. I'm going to keep that in mind, you know, spot moments of kindness. I think you're absolutely right in that. And we can all do that. That's something, whether it's in the workplace, whether we're outside with our families, there's just those spot moments. I love it. Absolutely brilliant. And I would say that for me, the most profound thing was when the whole Be The Ripple movement started. I wrote a piece around workplace bullying and how people could be treated unkindly in the workplace and what we can do to address that. And somebody by the name of Jenny Streeter, she's one of the Be The Ripple team. So I have to give her a shout out because her getting in touch with me was really a profound moment in the journey of Be The Ripple because she told me that, you know, experiences that she'd had personally, that she'd seen in the past. And to know that you're not the only person who sees that there can be more kindness is really quite a profound thing because sometimes with different situations you feel that perhaps you're the only person that's thinking you know more kindness is needed maybe you're the only person who sees that policy and process over people is actually not the best way to go that we should be thinking about the humans and since I've started this be the ripple movement the amount of amazing people yourselves included who have come into my life like magnets because of this kindness movement It's just, I mean, it really is so profound. Yeah, it's just incredible. Okay, so we're going to continue talking about kindness in a moment, but you've both used words, and it was this other word, ripple, that really intrigued me about the three of us coming together, because it was 
so I guess I'll just say, welcome fellow ripplers, right? We all have this fascination with the word ripple. Where did that start for for you, Emma? Because that's how you and I connected. One day I remember I was I was just on this journey and because of I was writing about ripples and then I found you on Twitter, create the ripple. Yeah, absolutely. And for those, obviously, I'd say it not, but you can even see the ripple quote on my wall, which is where it all founded from. And it's the Mother Teresa, which is, I cannot change the world. I, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone to create many ripples. And it's that whole ethos of, and I created it through Twitter, which is, I'm just one person. I'm on my phone and I love quotes. And I thought, I'd never done social media. So I thought, let me put out some positivity, some kindness. And it led me into so many different directions. It was very funny for the first few months because as people know with social media, I was like, I don't know how to get followers. <laughs> and I didn't know how to do it. And then it was, it was a light bulb moment of, actually, it's not about the followers. It's about the message that I'm trying to share. It's about one person that I might be able to make a difference to when well, my work is done. And so create the ripple in two essences, one based on the Mother Teresa quote, but also because of the ripple effect of something like Twitter. So very quickly, you go from hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands. And it's fascinating to see that ripple effect. And then to have a message from somebody on the other side of the world to say, today, your quote helped me in this situation. And I often say to people that, yes, I might be magnificently busy on certain days with life just as we all are and that's why it's worthwhile doing that 10-15 minutes of me putting a few quotes on there because then that is for me the essence of the ripple effect and then to use that in my day-to-day whether that's from a learning or coaching or speaking perspective whatever it is that almost is the same effect that I'm looking to achieve. Love it. And you just look so sad talking about it here. I, I you know, we're, we're publishing this as an audio podcast. You hear, you hear the joy. This is one of the things I love in all of my connections and conversations with Emma. Every one of them, there is this life. There is this joy. There's this essence. And that's the other thing. When I met Joe, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like you two belong together. So here, I'm just having the joy of doing this. Joe, where did Ripple start for you and be the Ripple? So for me, it's really quite similar. I wanted to spread a message. I wanted to bring people together to collaborate, to bring more kindness into the world. And exactly the same way as Emma said, I'm just one person. I want to make a difference. And everything I do does have an impact on somebody else, on a group of people. And it is spreading that Ripple out. I also live in a lovely seaside town. So I live by the sea and I'm really quite addicted to going to the sea and the sands and just the calmness of water. Combined all of that to be the ripple. And I did quite think about be the change because we always hear be the change. But I thought it just that doesn't cover the essence of what I wanted to be. So be the ripple was the thing that I came up with, really. And it's, it very much is as simple as that. But the same as Emma. I mean, it's just had such astounding impacts already. I've had people getting in touch with me who I worked with in South Korea some 15 years ago. And they've got in touch with me saying, oh my gosh, the posts that you've been posting, it's really changed their perspective. It's really uplifting. They're considering making a change in their lives because of it, a positive change, I'd like to point out. <laughs> you know, just these things where people are saying, oh, it's really nice to see the things that are being shared, the impacts that people are discussing. And it's uplifting for some people to know they're not the only ones who feel that more kindness is needed. And there's something that they can actually belong to, make a difference with and start spreading their own ripples. So, yeah, it's lovely. Back to the Mother Teresa quote there that I, I love. The whole ripple effect, for me, echoes or really highlights that there is no such thing as a small act of kindness, right? There are times people thought, well, it was just a small act of kindness. Well, we don't know. Yes. You don't know. It, it may not have been a big deal for what you did, and you, it may not have required a lot of effort. I want to go back to this with you, Emma, and bring Joe in as well. 
But this whole part when you were talking about this, I think the fact, what, one of the things that happens before kindness occurs is the person doing the kind deed sees someone, mm-hmm. is aware of an opportunity to extend kindness. And that could be someone who has felt very unseen for a very long time. Yes. Right? And so just that, you go, well, it was just a little act. Wait a minute. That person has felt invisible for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. And the fact that you saw them and that you were moved by love and kindness and compassion to do something, it's really hard to say that's a little thing in my book. Mm. I I think you're right. I had an email this week, actually, from a lady. She'd sent me a lovely email. She'd been had in some news about restructuring in her work. And we'd done a session all around Ikigai, which was fabulous timing in a way. And she said that really I should have been going home feeling a little bit sad about my letter, but I went home and uh, my partner was very confused because I was very joyful and I would expect into the future. And so she sent an email to me. And so I naturally, I read it. And then I'm a big fan of Strength Finder by Gullup. So I thought, let me send her the book because then while she's looking to do her CV and interviews, and so I sent it to her and she sent me another email yesterday. She said, you don't understand the fact that you thought about me and you took the time to do that. She said, I had a lump in my throat. Which then made me have a lump in my throat. <laughs> because it's really encouraging people to, I have magic pause buttons everywhere, which is just to slow down because I think some of it is we are working at such pace, even through the enforced lockdown for so many people, minds were racing, the uncertainty, the VUCA world we're living in, so many things that actually to pause and to allow ourselves just time to think and be present and to really think about others as well as ourselves as well. We've all got it within us, but I think it is unfortunately a bit of a rarity, which is whereby, and I go back to, the more I think we can role model it, then the more I think that I love to give books out to people and quite often responses, I'm going to buy this for somebody else. And it's like, yay, <laughs> or a quote or something like that. Or just, I say just a, an act, but an act as well. And I think the more that we do it, the more we are giving somebody time. And I know there's a proverb, which is the most valuable thing you can give to anyone is your time. I build on it to say it's not just time. It's also being present in that moment because We can give people time, but to really notice things, as you said, Kevin, to really see the good, because what we look for is what we're going to see. And everybody has good and potential. And quite often, if there is something else there, it's based on insecurities and experiences. And so our role is just to see past that and to help to give that little bit of belief. Jo. That's lovely. (laughs) I'm just thinking, what can I add to that, really? I think You've got a really good point there, Emma, with regard to the pausing. I think that within organisations, if we look at those, often we've got so many different things that we should be doing, so many different clients, so many different tasks that we don't take that time to pause. And I think that it is really so important that we've got that time, that we are there for people and actually showing up and listening, actively listening to the people that we're working with, whether that be colleagues, whether it be clients or other stakeholders, whoever it is, it's actually pausing enough to see that we can offer some kindness to somebody. And I think that that can come about in our actions, our interactions, our conversations, but it is something that Like you said, Kevin, a small act of kindness, we might think that, you know, supporting somebody via email is really something simple. We've done, we've taken a minute or two to send a message, but the impacts that that could have on somebody is just absolutely unbelievable. It's massive. And I'm sure we've all got examples of where that's happened in the past. So I would absolutely agree with you, Kevin, that a small act of kindness is never a small act of kindness because the ripples continue and they'll be fed forward from that individual to the next person and so on and so forth. But I think Emma's right with the power of the pause. I think that's a really important thing to take away from this, actually. Okay, I want to come back to that in a moment. 
We're in the middle of a fascinating conversation with Emma and Joanna on kindness. However, we've got something exciting to share with you, and then we'll continue this conversation. There are probably some people sitting here thinking, well, I thought this was about this extraordinary life. So what's the connection between kindness and living, enjoying, experiencing extraordinary in life? Who wants to go first on that one? Well, that's kind of a big question there, isn't it? I would say just if you're kind in every way that you possibly can be, then the impacts are going to lead to all sorts of things that you'd never thought of. The example there is where we've all come together and it's like a magnet for all of these extraordinary people coming into your life that you never would have met had you not been on this kindness path. And for me, I think that's the link between kindness and extraordinary living is that we really can pull together all of our strengths and we can create an extraordinary experience for all of us. Mm. I love that, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I think sometimes I was thinking actually of Darwin when he came up with a survival of the fittest. And interestingly, if you look at the research, though, he wasn't saying that it was around people being self-interested or being competitive. The research actually demonstrates that as humans, we are profoundly social and caring individuals. And therefore, for me, the link between kindness and extraordinary life is it's allowing people to be their authentic self. It's giving that permission and sense of belonging to say that, exactly as you're just picking up on what you said a minute ago, that small act that you think you've done has actually had a profound effect. And yet society has almost diminished some of these acts of kindness to see them potentially as insignificant or not as important. And it's going back to really thinking about and seeking the small joys that we've got. And that's something that we can keep coming back to. So even in turbulent times, even through the rocky periods over the last few months, and I spoke very much around for myself as well, it was really important for my mother and I to constantly remind ourselves to still have that gratitude, to still seek the smooth, small joys, to still put out bird seeds so we could sit and watch the birds together. So it's almost as though while society and there's so much fabulous stuff out there is so fast moving and sometimes can be quite tough and in some elements quite cruel, it's reminding ourselves that kindness is a connectivity for us and and human connection is at the heart of everything. So whether it's business, personal, whatever, it always will come down to that human connectivity. I don't know if I've ever thought of that before, Emma, that kindness is connectivity, right? So both of you had this perspective and you bring kindness into your work and you help other leaders in the workplace imagine what work could look like with more kindness. And you've talked about the word pausing. We've talked about the word intention. So what is it? Yeah, let me ask this question. What is it that a leader can do to invite or allow more kindness in the workplace? Emma? Yeah, I was waiting. Didn't know whether Joe wanted to say um, we're being polite and kind to one another. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's really interesting in that the first part, and I think a really important part of kindness, is also about supporting individuals to be kinder to themselves. Because the kinder we are to ourselves, then actually we are able to emulate and role model it, I think, even more. So I think it's a twofold, which is I can encourage individuals to think about pausing, to think about celebrating successes, to celebrate different opportunities, to support well-being, just so many different elements. And quite often, though, we come back to, and a, a familiar phrase is, we need to be gentle with ourselves. We need to be kinder with what we're saying to ourselves. And I really feel there's quite a lot of work around that because then that opens up the mind to say, oh my goodness, is this how others are thinking? Is this what other people are doing? And it's almost, again, that connectivity piece. And and I really do think kindness and connectivity. A minute ago, Kevin, when you talked about connection and people being seen and heard, and it reminded me of Brené Brown's famous quote, which I think is fabulous, which says, A connection between two people is the energy when people feel seen, heard, and valued 
and can give and receive without judgment. And for me, that is just kindness wrapped up purposely, you know, brilliantly. So in the workplace, it's supporting people with that connectivity. So whether that's through some fundamental communication skills or complex, so everything that we talk about, but it's with a lens of kindness, which is allowing people to maybe be a little bit more authentic, allowing people to be a little bit more human. Because as we said earlier on, in the, a lot of the research says this is inherent, this is instinctive, and yet what's happened is we've built up some walls that means we sometimes feel, I often say, when you do your pass to go into work, you're not giving your pass to say, right, that's it, no more kindness. And then when you come out, because we're kind with our friends and family, so why on earth wouldn't we do that in the workplace as well? Well, I've got to ask you a question because as I'm listening, why are so many kind people so quickly unkind to ourselves? We're kind to others. We would never, ever think of saying to someone else what we will say to ourselves. And we are so harsh and unkind. I mean, I'm raising my hand. I said us. I'm not saying you because I'm one of these, right? People think of me as kind, but, but if they heard how I talk to myself sometimes, they go, you're not kind. You're not kind to yourself. I yeah. see you both nodding. But... Yeah, completely. We were talking about this earlier, weren't we, Jane? Absolutely. Before the, we started recording the podcast, we were saying that the person we're the least kind to is ourselves. So if you listen to yourself, if we listen back to this podcast, we'll probably think, oh, wow, you know, the other two were amazing, but oh, I wish I'd said this, or I wish I'd done that, or this didn't come across quite well. And I think you're quite right. And as Emma said, you know, kindness to ourselves, it really does start with us. And if we start with being kind to ourselves, we can then bring that, that kindness forward to everybody else. And I really liked what you said about allowing people to be human, because I think that that's something, particularly in workplaces, that's taken away from the employment relationship. You get in through the door and suddenly you become this job, as opposed to this is a human being who's got a past, who's had experiences, who might have had a really terrible thing happen in their lives. And for me, the importance is noticing where you were asking about leaders and what they could do to bring more kindness. The thing is to notice, to really know the people that you're working with and really intentionally notice how those people are. And that's quite difficult for lots of us because, you know, lots of us will present ourselves as being entirely fine with a big smile on our faces when we're having the worst day in the world. But it's about having that kind of open environment that really encourages people to just be their authentic selves and for us to be able to notice each other and how we're feeling. So this word of noticing keeps coming up, right? Awareness, noticing. What does it take to develop or as a leader to refine this noticing? And I think it's a really important point. And I think there's been a lot of literature or podcasts or things around intentionality and purpose and meaning. An expression we use, we try to break it down, as I say, so how about you're just a little bit more conscious, a little bit more of the time. And Mm -hmm. that is for so many people. It's like, well, I can do that. And we sometimes do just some simple little tasks around, you know what, on your way home tonight, I want you just to notice something that you've never noticed before. And we ask them to take a picture. The next day they share. The stuff is like just incredible. And as a group of people, they go, that's, and some of the pictures are outside their house. And they're like, that's that's, that's been outside my house and I've lived here for 20 years. And it's trying to help and support people to realize Again, we are in an information overload. We're working at pace. Most of us are time poor, task rich, which means that our curiosity, our creativity, that consciousness is a little bit stifled. And so by just being a little bit more conscious, a little bit more of the time, slowly, very much like the ripple effect, people then begin to notice more. And I think like so many things, rather than suddenly changing something overnight, just by allowing and encouraging people as you said, those, those comments, the acts of kindness, which would be maybe classed by them as something small, but realizing that that then creates a ripple effect or has a profound effect. And again, people sometimes say, 
oh my goodness, I asked that question and their face lit up or this happened or this happened. And I think, I really think, again, starting small, I know it's one of the five pillars of Ikigai, so it's very fresh in my mind at the moment, but starting small is one of the foundational ways of finding flow. And that sometimes if we try and unpack it all, well, then it means that sometimes nothing happens. Whereas if we just, again, the ripple effect, the small things, then I think that's where the cascade happens. Okay, so I want to invite you in. There's a phrase that's a real popular phrase. I have nothing against it. Nothing. Random act of kindness. However, I invite people, what would be different if you just did an intentional act of kindness today? Right? To your point, Emma, it's not like, okay, you've been an ogre this week. Now, all of a sudden, we want you to be a kind monster. No, 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 no. Just do one thing. If you just started, I am going to do one act of kindness today. And and the intentional, okay, part of the random act of kindness often means it's strangers that are the the beneficiary of the kindness, where the people closest to us continue to get the cruelty, but we were just kind to someone. So this intentional act of kindness means being kind to those people you've been cruel to in the past (laughs) or been ignorant of. You've, you've just been so, to your point, task rich. Well, what if I just carved out every afternoon? I'm going to take a break and I'm going to get somebody a cup of coffee or tea. Whatever that is, that's an intentional act of kindness. I see you both nodding. Joe. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I actually spoke to Pinky Lilani recently. She's got some awards that are running and one of those is Kindness in Leadership. And that's the kindness and leadership listings, 50 leading lights. And she was talking about that, being mindful about actually undertaking some kindness every day. And if you do that, then that's going to then become a habit. So the same as if you're grateful or you actually undertake mindful activities, it's the same idea, isn't it? Of actually being, taking time to be conscious about what you're doing and how you can Put yourself forward to others. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with you. And building on what Joe said there as well, I think that sometimes it's opening people's mind up to just how kind people are and they don't realize it. So sometimes we're talking a lot here about doing more kindness. And sometimes I think some of that intentionality or being more conscious is people not understanding that sometimes in that moment there, when you gave me that text message or did you know what that I really appreciated it and so often people go really oh I didn't realize so for me it's that third prong attack of celebrating it so that people are actually more mindful of that we inherently are kind human beings just sometimes things might go unnoticed or unappreciated which means we're not connecting the dots there as well so I think it is yes of course about doing more because that's why we're here and we're talking about kindness and the ripple part of that is also actually what are we already doing really be more conscious and more aware because that's a really easy way particularly when we think around leaders in the workplace as opposed to always doing more it's like no 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 just being more conscious about what you're doing and and maybe how you're doing something so you're still doing this but you're just being aware of it as well I think it's really important because I think there's an awful lot of really kind people that don't realize how kind they are because they haven't had that opportunity for somebody to share or feedback or or just because of the busyness that we live in as well. Okay. In addition to This Extraordinary Life being the name of the podcast, there's also this community, This Extraordinary Life. I posted that I was having this conversation with the two of you and asked people, what did they want to have asked? And Scott asked this question. What's the the connection between kindness and gratitude or the correlation, right? So that's where you were just talking about. Part of it is just recognizing that there's more kindness than we realize. So what do you see in that the correlation or connection? As I said, I think that gratitude, if you practice it and you're actually mindful and you make an intentional You're intentional about actually looking out for those kind acts, for grateful acts, then it's actually going to build up to something that becomes a habit. 
and therefore it's going to spread those ripples out to everybody else. But it is something, I think Emma had a great point. It's something that you really have to be mindful about noticing because there's so many kind people, there's so many kind things that happen in our lives and day-to-day things, perhaps we're not grateful about those Perhaps we don't see them as being kind acts, whereas actually they are. So I think it's very much about focus and looking at our lives and looking at what can we be grateful for, what kind things have happened today. And I guarantee that everybody will have things to be grateful for and they will have had something kind happen to them or they'll have done something kind every single day. It's just noticing those small things. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's almost as though there isn't one lens for kindness and one lens for gra- gratitude and you sort of interconnect them. For me, it's how we view the world and how we view the world with kindness, with gratitude, with a positive mindset. You know, So all of the elements of positive psychology, I think, sort of wrapped up into one. For me, the direct link is that when we are sharing gratitude, what we're actually doing is we're either being kind to another because we've noticed something there and we're appreciating it, we're being kind to ourselves because we're pausing, we're having that sense of actually things here are sort of good. We are being kind from a nature, so the connection to nature. So if it's the walking down and going, the amount of people that, and, and I was there as well, was at the start of lockdown and I was saying things like, aren't the trees greener than usual? And people were like, mm, they've been pretty green for quite a few years. But what I realized is that I hadn't spent that gratitude to really go, no, hang on a minute. They really are green. The sky is even more blue. Like you were mentioning around the sea, the ripples are really. So for me, that gratitude is because we're being kind to ourselves, to nature, to others, to all of those other elements. So I think they are absolutely interlinked. And it's the view that we choose to see the world. And that's a choice. So I guess it's how we choose to show up. Okay, a couple of more thoughts here. I know our time is drawing to a close, but there's a song I've heard lately, and there are two lines to this song. One of them, the first one is, why does kindness seem revolutionary? The second one is, when did we let hate get so ordinary? So why is it that hate, that kindness seems so rare and exceptional? And unkindness or bullying, toxicity, why have we allowed that to thrive? We want to flip that, don't we? The three of us. Absolutely. And I just want to jump in there, actually, because I've been, or I have been reading recently a book by Rutger Bregman, which is called Humankind. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. But that actually talks about this idea of the unkindness in the world and the hate being bigger than the kindness in the world. And that book argues that actually it's the lens that we've been shown through the media, through news, through Twitter, and the things that have been highlighted. Whereas your ordinary, really kind, great things that happen, they don't actually get reported necessarily. So I think that. The argument within this book is that actually the kindness far outweighs the hate and the unkindness. It's just the way that things are being portrayed to us. It would seem that the weight is balanced in another direction. But I would recommend the book. If you haven't read it, have a look because it gives you hope. Yeah. Some good. And then John Krasinski started his YouTube channel, Some Good News, which is shining a light on the good news because there's so much. Like you say, there's the negativity bias that seeks to magnify that. We want to magnify kindness. Something you want to weigh in on that, Emma? I was going to say, yeah, very similar to what Joe said there is that when we're working with leaders and we're talking about when they're connecting with their teams and we talk about actually how do you shape your meetings and it's always about these are the challenges, these are the things that we've got to overcome and at the end it's like, oh, and by the way, well done. So a little, and I said, how about we actually reverse that to really spend some time celebrating the successes, talking about strengths. It's why I'm such a big fan of Strength Finder as well, to really emulate that, to use that to empower us. And then let's think about that will actually help to support us then with regards to overcoming challenges. And I think there's the education piece, which is kindness and gratitude 
are brilliant mechanisms and tools to develop curiosity and creativity, which is going to enable us to overcome complex problem solving. And I think the more that we're educating people that these aren't soft skills, these are core skills that are going to future-proof us. These are the core skills that actually AI is going to find quite a lot tough job to sort of pick up on some of these. So let's get rid of the stuff that they can do and let's focus on the human elements that we can do. And, and I think absolutely echoing what Joe said there, and I know it was in um, Sean Acker's happiness advantage, is that how we view the world, we have to continually remind ourselves and continually remind others about that sort of negative bias and that actually day in, day out, there is more that I can be appreciative of than there is that I need to be upset about if I choose to look for that. Okay, one more question, maybe two, but <laughs> I just don't want to stop, but I want to be mindful of our time. A couple of people asked about setting borders or what, what happens when people take advantage of your kindness? That's a tough one. I mean, I, so, or does it matter whether they take advantage, right? Our goal is to be kind. It's not to monitor how people respond to our kindness. But Joe, Yeah, it's a really tough one, that actually, Kevin. I'm trying to think of an example of where somebody has taken advantage of my kindness, and I can't actually think of any examples, which, again, perhaps is the lens that I'm looking at life through. I don't know, but I can't think of an example of that. I can certainly think of an example of where Maybe I've posted something online and somebody's come in with a negative attitude towards that. But I think it's the way that you respond is important thing. But yeah, over to you, Emma. Swiftly over, I think. <laughs> so I think that for me, it's linked to what we were talking about earlier, which is about being kind to ourselves. So when I have times when maybe I feel I'm human, I'm certainly, I know people always go, oh, you're always positive. <laughs> I, you know, I, I am positive, but I'm human in the sense that I have all of those other emotions inside me as well that sometimes I can feel anger or resentfulness or frustration. And what I've recognized, particularly more so recently, is when I maybe am having some of those feelings around, oh my goodness, I don't think they really appreciated it. And then I'm criticizing myself to say, but Emma, you don't give to receive anyway. What it is, is it's an amber warning flag, which is, Emma, you, you haven't been looking after yourself. You need to top up your own energy levels to then be able to support others. And um, we use the oxygen mask analogy a lot, which is on the aeroplane, when you go on an aeroplane, the first thing they say in the safety briefing is you need to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on the oxygen masks of others, because otherwise we're no use to help them. Well, actually, I think kindness is quite similar, which is if you are just putting it on everybody else, eventually you're not going to have those energy levels as well. So for me, when I sometimes am starting to have some of those feelings, it's my reminder of actually, why am I doing something? And actually, I need to look after myself to be able to look after others as well. Because as Joe said, it's how we view the world. Okay, so as we wrap this up, I appreciate you, my friends, also purveyors of positivity in the world, right? that just put out positivity. For folks that may want a little more of you in their life, a little more of your positivity to be connected to your ripples, where do we direct them to do that? Joe, what's the easiest way for people to connect with Be The Ripple? So I think probably the easiest way is on Twitter. So that's at Be The Ripple 2020. Also, they can look me up, Joanna Sivana. I'm literally the only Joanna Sivana in the world, so it's going to be easy to find me wherever I am. So, yeah, just connect with me. I would love to connect, and I would love us to create more ripples together. Oh, my God. You're the only, <laughs> the only Joanna Sivana in the world. It's like, no. oh, it's, I, there's more than one Emma Lloyd, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, very similar, actually, to Joe. So, on Twitter, Create the Ripple, at Create the Ripple, and uh, you'll see there's a steady stream of positive quotes on there. Always delighted uh, as well. So that's very much in the positive, but on LinkedIn, I'm there as well. And you'll see that I try to do weekly sort of posts with a lot of the things that we've spoken about today, but with a lens of application as well. So really thinking about, well, how can we make this work for us? Because I think part of trying to 
change this concept of kindness being a soft skill, we need to be sharing about, well, what is some of the things that can help us when we're back in the workplace from an effectiveness and productivity and all of those wonderful, important things as well. So I try to make the links on there as well. So I'm always delighted to connect. Okay, so... Sorry to jump in, but Emma, you need to join Be The Ripple and help us. It sounds fantastic. All of these things that you're sharing, whether around application within the workplace and within life, that is exactly what we're trying to do with Be The Ripple. So yeah, create the ripple and be the ripple, I think, are going to come together at some point soon. (laughs) Absolutely. And create your own ripples. You are ripplers if you're listening to this, right? Get in the wave make ripples. Before we go, your favorite quotation. Emma, I know you've, you've given us a couple already, but you're like me. You got a bank of them. <laughs> My favorite quote is Maya Angelou, which is, people will forget what you say, <laughs> will forget what you do, but people will never forget how you make them feel, which I think encapsulates a lot of the conversation from today. The reason I'm saying oh no and laughing is that's my favourite quote too. <laughs> I did a recent kindness cafe with I think it was with yeah with Pinky Lilani and Asli Daria from the Ripple team, and that's what I ended that with. So we're definitely meant to be together, Emma. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope you feel the love. I hope the ripples have reached you and that you will share the ripples of this podcast with others because we do believe that the world needs more kindness. And I'll close out with Aesop. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. And you cannot waste kindness. Now, maybe somebody doesn't receive it, but that doesn't mean you wasted it. So thank you all for joining. What a delightful conversation. Love having you both as guests and love having you in my life. Thank you very much. Likewise. Wow, what a fascinating, amazing conversation with Joe and Emma. I've got some thoughts to share to summarize this in just a moment. But first, if you remember back to episode five, I was joined by Sarah Radican. We talked about community, belonging. Well, she returns and we're going to continue that conversation now. It's a joy to welcome Sarah Radican to join me today on this Extraordinary Life podcast for a community segment. Sarah, welcome back. Evan, it's great to be here. So Sarah, you and I have talked about community before as part of the podcast. We've talked about it in other places in the community about community. But I want to ask you today specifically about belonging. What does belonging mean to you? Why is it important to you? So on a neuroscientist level, belonging is crucial for humans to thrive. We know that people cannot, I mean, we literally won't survive without other people at a very literal level. So take that to the next sort of esoteric level. And I believe that if we want ourselves and people around us to rise to whatever the best version of ourselves is in that moment, community is an absolutely crucial piece of that. We know this intellectually. But we also know it instinctively. We're pack animals. We need our tribe. Okay, so we've just used two words or several other words in the the sentence, but we've talked about community and we're talking about belonging. What's the interplay and what's the difference? So when I think of a community, and this is Sarah's definition, not necessarily the sociology definition, but a community is a place where obviously you do belong, but I think being a part of a community carries with it a little bit more of an action verb sense to it. You have to not just be a consumer to be a part of a community. Anybody can come into a space and take from it what they need. But being a part, I mean, I think that's sort of the the table stakes of it, right? But to be an actual beneficial member of a community, you should be able to give something back. I don't think that's always easy to quantify. You know, there's not like a unit of community measurement Like I I took three community units, I'm going to give three back. It doesn't work that way. It's a lot more complicated, but it's certainly an important piece of the puzzle. I love that because I love the way you talked about the calculus of it, if I may use that (laughs) phrase, because there may be a season in life where all we are is withdrawing, right? It's not this equal measure, 
but it's, hey, there's, there's some really tough stuff going on in my life right now. And I'm making a lot of demands on or withdrawals from the community. Absolutely. That's part of an investment in a community, right? It's a long game. It's not the next profit margin meeting that we're looking at. This is an ongoing process of developing something that's going to be sustainable and will hopefully outlast us and benefit those who come after us, whatever that season looks like. And then there are other seasons where you are investing richly into others and life's really good for you and you have this abundance. So you're giving, giving, and giving. Yeah, and I think also it's important to remember that it's interesting. You can be doing both simultaneously. Humans are so complicated and we like to think that we're all or nothing. We're either all in a bad place or all in a good place. And sometimes that can be really damaging. Somebody who is hurting really badly can oftentimes receive tremendous joy from being allowed to be the person who gives back also. But we like to wrap people in bubble wrap and say, oh, no, no, you're in a bad place right now. Here, take some more stuff from us. And we deny them the organic human experience of being able to hold a baby or say a kind word to somebody or whatever it is that they have the capacity for. I think we should ask people what they have the capacity for rather than assume what they have capacity for. Beautiful. Okay, there was a comment that kind of started this conversation at one point, and that was this idea that Nella for Merchant had shared with me that when we belong, we become more of ourselves, which led me to think when we're trying to fit in, we become less of ourselves. So talk about the difference between your experiences with belonging and fitting in. So I think the military is a great example of that. The military actively prunes out pieces of you that they do not want, and then you fit in. You fit in just like the nice little cog in the machine that you are. And that serves a very specific purpose in that very specific environment. And outside of that space, though, I think we know, as we've learned more about neuroscience and humans and how complicated and interesting we are, that having the complex differences around us provides a richer tapestry of experiences to draw on and a much broader way of seeing the world, which can lead to far better outcomes. So the problem with trying to prune people to fit the mold is that you're oftentimes taking away the very things that you need from them. You can't be creative when you've been squished into a box that's just like everybody else's box. And If you already had all the problems figured out already, you wouldn't need more people, more voices in the space. So stop doing that. (laughs) And how has belonging allowed the best version of Sarah to show up? Well, I mean, we only have so many spoons to steal from that spoon theory concept, right? And so if if you are squandering your energy and your time and your emotional stamina on just existing in a space, you obviously can't be the best version of yourself. So when I was a single mom with a bunch of kids, we were trying to figure out how to keep bread on the table and the lights turned on. I didn't have the energy or the capacity to learn or to read new things or to have meaningful conversations with people or even just think. There needs to be time to think, but you don't get to, you don't get, that's a luxury when you're in that survival mode. So when I found myself in the space where people were no longer, I didn't have to keep my walls up, right? I could be myself. So that gave me some extra energy back. And I was appreciated for the unique person that I am. And that let me explore just even internally different pathways of thought. I really think that that created more room for opportunities to arise. It certainly gave me the confidence to reach out and have conversations with people like you or people all over the world, frankly, to do things I would never have done when I was in crisis mode. And that's true of a lot of people. We cannot be our best selves when we're in crisis mode. We can only survive. Yeah, that's so true. So true. So let me wrap this up, Sarah. For folks who we all have this longing for belonging, for folks who, to quote Bono and you two, still haven't found what they're looking for in terms of belonging, What would you say to someone like that? I would say refill your batteries by looking for little things to be grateful for every day. That will help take down some of that stress response that's probably keeping your vision clouded and will open up the opportunities to the spaces that you need. They'll show up when you're ready for them. 
Oh, and I love how gratitude entered your answer there. So Sarah, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for this time we've shared and for you contributing to this conversation on community and belonging. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, what a joy to continue this conversation with Sarah. And I want to reflect back to the conversation with Emma and Joe before we conclude. You know, we all make ripples that reach. We have no idea how far the ripples reach when we are kind. And we had this fascinating part of the conversation where we all, Joanna, Emma, and I, recognize that sometimes the hardest person to show kindness to is ourselves. Reminds me of a line from my new favorite book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Quoting, we often wait for kindness, but being kind to yourself can start now, said the mole. I hope that's something you start with today, being kind to yourself. That's where kindness begins. Will you join us in creating waves and ripples of kindness wherever you go today and with whomever you encounter? Show a little kindness and see what happens. It's my hope that you will discover how extraordinary an ordinary act of kindness may be or may become. Hey, you know, I love hearing from you. You can reach out to me in whatever mode works for you. Email me, kevin at thisextraordinary.life or phone, text, or WhatsApp me at plus one four zero four seven one three. 0713. Let me know what wave or ripple of kindness you're enjoying today, now, in this season of life. Let me ask before we go, what will you do to explore, embrace, and enjoy this extraordinary life today? Please remember that who you are and what you do matters more than you may ever realize. Thanks for listening.